to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. What a great morning already, huh? So good. Um, I've learned to pay attention to this, so I don't want to take a lot of time with this, but as we were praying a little bit earlier, I had a sense as Darren uh, led us, that there are some of you here who have um, been battling a fairly persistent, what you have come to think of as as a besetting sin or a a self-sabotaging behavior, whatever it is. Um, And and you've come to a place where you no longer feel anything when you you sin, when you do this um, self-sabotaging thing, and, and particularly... The shame that was so much a part of your sense of self-guilt has gone away. And you have begun to wonder if that means that your heart is hardened, that you're no longer paying attention to the conviction of the Spirit. And I just want to say to you, that's not what that means. What that means is you've finally been able to separate shame, which is never how God's voice is heard, from uh, real guilt for having done something that is self-sabotaging to you, the shame has kept you from, from God. Now I think that the Spirit wants to take advantage of that being set aside. You don't feel that anymore. Uh, and he wants to say, now can we start to really deal with this at a, at a, at a healthy level? And so uh, if that makes any sense to you, uh, I want to pray before we go into the Word. Could you mind just bowing your head real quick? If that makes any sense and I can pray for you real quick before we dig into this, uh, would you mind just raising your hand where you are? Um, Yeah. Oh, okay. Lord, there's a bunch of us that have finally gotten to the place of some level of health. We recognize that our sin doesn't separate us from you. It doesn't separate us from love. Your love, this isn't about heaven and hell. This is about becoming more fully who you've created us to be. Thank you, Lord, that shame is off the table now. And we can start to lean into health as we invite you to teach us how to live in non-self-sabotaging ways. Give us courage, Lord, to keep pressing in. Uh, uh, to what we know to be true, and we'll give you thanks for that, Lord, um, and thank you for the opportunity that is ours just to lean into your grace and mercy. Amen. Amen. Um, like Darren said, we've been talking at you a lot today, um, but I do want to invite you uh, to consider the second part of a sermon that Darren started last week. Uh, last week it was God Speaks, and, and uh, we became aware of the multiple Uh, 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 kind of gentle pressure that is in the universe as God's voice comes. And I want to talk today just some very practical ways how we can learn to hear the God who is always speaking. Does that make sense? So the passage I want to get as a framing text, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it, but I love this passage and it kind of gets us in frame, is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. And so let's uh, just read it together. Uh, It very truly... I tell you, Pharisees, uh, that anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief. He's a robber. The one who enters uh, by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Just that last line again. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, the voice of the good shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And then the next passage, 
when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know, they recognize his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So you see the irony there. Uh, the challenge of recognizing God's voice is, um, is, is, is one that Jesus talks, talks about. And he's, he's, he, he says, I mean, at the very least, what he says to us is that the hearing of God's voice is not anomalous, but it is in the context of relationship. So if you are here this morning, you can assume that you have heard God's voice because you're here. You don't come to a place like this apart from the hearing of God's voice. Uh, if you are a disciple of Jesus, in, 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 even in beginning form, or are thinking about leaning in to becoming a follower of Jesus or exploring that, you can be sure of one thing. You've already begun to hear his voice. You may not recognize it as unique from your own voice. You might not recognize it as, as separate from the voice of a friend who invited you. You might not uh, be able to clearly distinguish or differentiate it from the, from the, from the general push into uh, joining us today. But in all of the fact that you're here, you've already begun to hear his voice. You've heard his voice. This is the work of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. This is not some deep mystery which, for which special qualification is required. It's a common experience of the people of God. And so, at, at, and I know that even as I say that, some of you are saying, yeah, I get that generally, but I want to be able to hear God's voice more specifically. How many does that sound true? Yeah. That's probably the truth of all of us. But, so you're going to get a little frustrated with me this morning. Because in order to hear God specifically, you have to tune your heart to hear him more generally. Because it's in the context of relationship. It's in the context of a whole life lived, not moment to moment, left, right, center, go this way, buy this car, marry this person, take this job, go to this college, whatever it is. Those specific things are in the context of the flow of the river of the hearing of God's voice. And, it, and this is where I, I want to just kind of end up landing later on. If you have no intention of following the general trajectory of God's voice, you ought probably not expect to hear with clarity any specific direction from God. On the other hand, if you are flowing in the general trajectory of what God is up to, if when you read the word, you read with a heart open to obey, if when you come and listen to a sermon, your heart gets quickened and you decide, to, like the Heswells did, to follow in, in, in along that, if, if in, the, in the general course of your, of your life you want to know and honor and please and love God, then you probably don't need to expect to hear God's voice in specific things along the way because you're already going to be doing what he wants you to do. Does that make sense? So in the, in the sense of that, let's look at a couple of things. God is speaking, as Darren said last time, all the time and in all the kinds of different ways. The primary way is his speaking is the, not just the fact of creation, but the continuing, the persistence, the existence of creation. 
I don't have a text to project, but listen to Psalm 19. Uh, David says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the work of his hands. Have you seen a sunrise? Sunset. The beauty of a night sky. Then you've heard God's voice. You've heard God's voice. And as your heart gets tuned to this day-to-day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There are no spoken words. There is no distinct language. But in, in every place in the world, their voice is heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So the fact of, 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 and and please notice, for David, creation is not a one-and-done word from the Lord. Creation is an ongoing word from the Lord. So the fact that creation persists, the fact that the beauty of this world persists, even in spite of the tragedies and the brokenness and the pain uh, that sometimes goes with the creation, the fact of its persistent existence declares, David says, the glory of God. It is a voice that is heard. There is no place you can be where you do not hear the voice of the Lord. Now, the truth of the matter is somebody, some people see sunrise and all they know is that it's morning. They don't hear the voice. They, they can lie out under the stars at Joshua Tree and I have no idea how this is true. But they are not bowled over with wonder at both the tininess and the majesty of their own lives. Right? So increasingly, I want to tune my voice, or my ear rather, I want to tune my life to the hearing of the voice of God and the wonder of creation. I don't want to come to the place in my life where I see a sunrise or a sunset or I see the, the, the world captured in a tiny dewdrop clinging to a morning rose. And not at some level have a, have a stirring of my heart, a resonance, an awareness that something is going on here other than the simple collection of molecules refracting light. That something is happening. There's a voice to be heard. I want to tune my ear, tune my heart to that voice. But you'll notice even in this Psalm 19, David is aware that that voice isn't always heard with clarity or precision. It's possible to miss its meaning. It's possible uh, to, to miss its importance. So he goes on in Psalm 19 and says there's a further way by which God speaks primarily, and that is by his word. For David, Torah, the law, the way of the Lord. Psalm 19, verse 7 says this, the law, the Torah of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey that comes from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them... There is great reward. So David is aware that creation by itself is not self-disclosing, not 
always revelatory. Sometimes commentary is needed. Sometimes footnotes are needed. Sometimes additional content is needed. Fortunately, David says, we have the word of the Lord in the scriptures, in the law, in the Torah, in his expression of how life works best for us. So David is excited by the fact that this text comes with footnotes, that we can read the Bible, we can read the scriptures, we can hear the voice of the Lord in scripture. How many of you have a Bible at home? Perhaps one on your iPhone, perhaps one on your iPad, perhaps one that you carry with you in your purse or your pocket. Almost all of us, therefore, have capacity to hear the voice of the Lord. You have it with you, right? And now here's the deal. The more you tune your heart to the wonder of God's voice in creation, the more you tune by regular exposure and soaking your heart to the hearing of the voice in Scripture, you start to see where the river is flowing here, right? The more likely we are to recognize God's voice other than by those general means. And even the psalmist in Psalm, 100, in Psalm 19 recognizes that even though we have this, this declarative voice of God in creation, and even though we have this revelatory word of God in his scriptures, we need more. We need day-to-day guidance. We need day-to-day direction. We need, we need some help in this. And so he says in verse 12 of Psalm 19, So who can discern his errors? Forgive me my hidden faults, things even hidden from the sun, things even hidden from the word of God. Forgive me my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins that they don't rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. So, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please notice what he's saying here. The revelation of God in creation, the revelation of God in Scripture is often not enough for the specific circumstances of our lives. We need something more. But David says when he prays, he has that awareness of God's voice with him. But now whose voice does it sound like? It sounds like his voice. Let my The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be pleasing in your sight, O God. I want the work of the Spirit. In other words, we're going to use New Testament language here. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God's voice in our hearts, not just in our eyes in creation and our minds in Scripture. So God can and we, God's people, should expect to hear God, to be aware of God speaking to them individually. So we have an awareness of a path that we're taking that is the wrong path. Sometimes it, it feels like intuition. How many have heard God's voice in the voice of your mother? Right? Don't, don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. Right? But how many recognize, even though it sounds like mom, it nonetheless is God's voice? It's God's voice. It brings direction. It brings correction. It brings uh, sometimes encouragement, right? In doing the right thing when you feel all alone in the doing of the right thing. Yeah? So he, 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 he invites, David invites us in this to lean back and into the wonder of God in creation, the wonder of God's word in Scripture, but also to pay attention 
to the voice, to the conviction, to the leaning, to the impulse of the Spirit internally. So the relational backdrop of the hearing of God's voice includes a heart tuned to the wonder of creation, a mind saturated in and with the Scriptures. The more of it you learn, not just by head but by heart, the greater the likelihood of the hearing of God's voice in these ways. And then a soul that is inbreathed by the Holy Spirit. Now, now Paul, Paul is going to, or the, writer, the writers of the New Testament are going to take this a step further. But those three, by the way, those three things all by themselves are enough to get you home in time for dinner. To hear God's voice at an individual and particular level against the backdrop of creation, against the backdrop of, of reflected on, memorized, soaked in scripture, the work of the spirit individually. But there's more. So Hebrews chapter 1 says this, In times past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in his various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. How? By his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son, the word of God in John's language, the expression of everything that God is that he wants us to know. John calls him in chapter one, the full exegesis, the full unpacking of God, the father, the son is the radiance of God's self-revealing glory. He is the exact representation of his being. He sustains everything by his powerful word. So do you want to hear the voice of God? Read the stuff in red. Why? Because those are the words of the word. Those are the words of the word. So if you have to choose stuff to memorize, be red letter memorizers. Right? Because in the hearing of the words of Jesus, you hear the word of God, which, by the way, the writer of Hebrews tells us, is exactly the same word that said, let there be light. The creative word, the incarnate word, the written word is all the word of God. So we attend to the words of Jesus. We train our hearts more to God's voice by the reading of and soaking in the scriptures generally, but we want increasingly to pay attention, to memorize, to reflect on, to 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 put into practice, to soak in the words of Jesus. I will underline something here. He doesn't give advice. He doesn't give advice, which is to say he's not interested in his word being one among many words that you hear. He wants to be the main word against which we measure all other words. Does that make sense? So he says to us, look, you've got a choice. I've said to you in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew stuff that will be significant. Don't write it down when I talk to you. Put it into practice. Don't just take, take it home with you and talk about how wonderful it was. You can do that, but put it into practice. Build your life on it. Start to actualize it in your human existence. What he means by this, I've said to you, for example, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. Here's what I say to you. Don't hate. How are you doing on that? What is the strategy to become less hateful? 
That's what he means by starting to actualize it, put it into practice, which, by the way, at the garden we're going to be dealing with as we turn the year. We're going to be talking about some very specific ways, a curriculum of righteousness to take Jesus seriously at his word and move away from anger, move away from lust, move away from lying, move away from people pleasing in very concrete ways. So show up in January. Okay, so having said that, um, the, the words of Jesus also are, of course, the life of Jesus. So we want to follow him around in the gospel. So my pattern of reading the scripture is, is I, read, I read it all. I read it slowly, but I, I circle back through the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 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 I'm reading Genesis through, um, through whatever the last guy is, the Italian, I think. Um, and, then, and, then, and, and then it's uh, Romans through the end. I read it, read, read, but I soak in, I meditate on, I read chunks of, I want to get. Why? Because my sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice. My voice. I want to have my heart tuned to A440. Does that make sense? Uh, we had a, a, a piano tuner uh, back when I was a kid who came in, and with all of the electronic stuff that was available even then and even now, he still tuned our piano with a tuning fork. He had two or th- he had three of them. They were all tuned to the same frequency. So he verified the tuning fork. You all know what a tuning fork is? It's like they they hit it on a hard surface and it resonates at a particular frequency. And the frequency by which you tune a piano is A440. And so he would he would tune the piano A440. A is the is the A above middle C for those of you who care and for those of you actually who know that I didn't need to say that and for those of you who didn't know that it makes no more sense because you don't know where middle C is either. But anyway, um, sorry, I'm just. Anybody else just talk to yourself while you're talking to yourself? Yeah, okay, good. Oh. Um, <clears throat> okay, I. Uh, Okay, yeah, so, 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 so A440, and then, and, and then he tunes the three strings, the three uh, uh, um, um, uh, chords that make A440, he tunes them, and then he tunes the rest of the piano to, the, to, the, to that A440 with an ear that has been tuned. I want Jesus to be my A440. I want his words to be the primary way that I hear your word. I want his words to be the primary way when I hear somebody preach. I want to be, oh, that, that sounds pretty close, but pretty close isn't right on. Do, do, do you know? Because sometimes we're going to hear the word of Jesus through the words of our pastor. I would say more than sometimes. But I still want to have my heart tuned to A440 so there's a resonance. And as it turns out, like I said, he is the word that I hear in creation. But, as you know, sometimes the words of Jesus are difficult to understand. Can I get a witness? Right? Or even understanding, figuring out how to apply. How does this actually work itself out in my real life? Well, Jesus has an app for that. He's called the Holy Spirit. He says this. The Father, verse 26 of John 14, will send you a counselor, a helper, one called alongside you to help. 
who will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. The fact that the Holy Spirit is on the job doing this is demonstrated in the fact that we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How did those guys know to write that? The Holy Spirit reminded them what Jesus said. And then they wrote it down. Nobody was taking notes when Jesus was talking. They didn't expect to have necessity of it 50 or 60 or 2,000 years later. Anybody else glad the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing? We have the text. And so he invites us in this. But in addition to the words of Jesus that he reminds us and then explains them to us and helps us put them into practice, the Holy Spirit is literally filling the spaces of meaninglessness of our lives with meaning. How does he do it? In Acts chapter 13 and 15, the Holy Spirit speaks through the community of God's people. So when we dedicate babies, for example, and people are gathered around them, and gathered around them is the community, we expect in the voice of our brothers and sisters, anchored in the text of Scripture, anchored in the voice from creation, anchored in the words of Jesus, anchored in the work of the Holy Spirit, I want to tune my heart to the A440 that helps me hear the voice of our community as being God's voice to me. Right? Have you ever shown up on a Sunday morning and somebody in community group or somebody in your, in your life group or community group rather during the week has said something to you and it's just anchored? You've heard the voice of God in the community. And it resonates. In fact, let me just give you a rule of thumb here. If when you hear something, it doesn't resonate, it's probably not the voice of God. If it comes totally left field, completely, what in the world is that all about? Just let it go and move on. Don't have to figure out, how do I put this into practice? How do I make this work? That's not your business. If God is speaking all the time with this gentle pressure of his voice, and it doesn't resonate with the trajectory of your obedience so far, there's a pretty good chance it's not God's voice. Does that make sense? just as a way to filter it. So in community, that group discernment process, as we as a church continue to lean into what God is leading us into in the next little while, community is going to be important. Um, But also through charismatic gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and other places, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to congregations, community, through words of wisdom, through words of knowledge. Uh, even, Even just that little... Uh, thing that I did before we started to preach, I would say the Spirit was saying to, some, to me to say something to some of you, and it resonated. You've heard in some way the voice of God this morning. Does, 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 so charismatic gifts, prophetic words, tongues and interpretation, all of these things are coming in the, in the flow of God's general words so that we can hear specifically what we ought to do in any given moment. He gives direction. He shapes understanding. He, he focuses prayer. Uh, sometimes, like we said before, the Holy Spirit gives us people who are gifts to us, pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets and apostles, people who speak God's word that we recognize as God's word, that we hear as God's words to us. But then also... In the trajectory of our lives, sometimes we'll get an individual impression. You'll be walking down the street, and somebody's face will just come to mind. What are you to do with that? Why don't you ask God? What do I do with this? 
Sometimes it might be an invitation to pray. Sometimes it might be an invitation to call them. Somebody, sometimes it might be somebody you have no knowledge of. So you lift them to the Lord. You lift them in intercession. You pray for them. Impressions, images, uh, pictures, visions, dreams, intuition, discernment, words. All of these are the ways in which God speaks in clarity. Does, does that make sense? But how do I recognize it as God's voice? A440. I've tuned my heart to the voice of the heavens. I've tuned my heart to the voice of the scriptures. I've tuned my heart to the words of Jesus. I've tuned my heart to the work of the Spirit so that when I get an impression, when I get a word, when I get a a vision or a dream, I have a community of folks that can help me understand it. I have a trajectory, a a flowing of the Spirit that can help me make sense of it. Uh, Sometimes uh, it it, it comes comes in, in precisely that way because discernment is shaped by relationship. Discernment is shaped by relationship. Now, here's, here's the other piece on this, because I, I deal with this a lot with the uh, folks that I work with at the university. They're terrified of missing God's voice. What if I get it wrong? What if I turn left instead of right? What if I, what if I think I've heard God, but really actually miss God? So, so we work through this trajectory. Is your heart set on knowing, loving, honoring, pleasing, walking with Him? Are you, are, what's the rhythm of devotion? Are, are, are you in a fairly good track with the hearing of God's voice and the communion with Him? Okay? Is it still possible to get it wrong? Does it matter? No. Why? He's at work in all stuff. He's really good at playing a winning hand with whatever card you deal him. So you get it wrong. Okay. You ever have that little GPS voice on your on your, on your recalculating route? <laughs> You'll still be home in time for dinner, right? In other words, we probably the way that we disable the hearing of God's voice most regularly is anxiety over hearing the voice of God. If we relax into His love for us, and here's the deal: <laughs> if it's really important to the kingdom. That you do something instead of something else. If it's really important to the work of his work on, on the earth, that you do X instead of Y, marry person here, take this job, go to this place. He knows how to get through in such a way that even you couldn't miss it. Right? He knows how to write on the wall in flame. That's not a good day. If you see handwriting on the wall, it's going to go south. But he knows how to do that. He knows how to make donkeys talk, which personally I'm really grateful for as a preacher. But he knows how to do that. He, 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 can, he can send angels. He, he knows how to do stuff. He is not crippled in his speaking by our terror of not hearing. He has capacity. So how do we tune our hearts to the hearing of God's voice? When you hear God's voice, what does it sound like? It sounds sometimes like yours. That's okay. Who else's voice would he use? If, it, if it's all, right? Because I used to think it must be like Charlton Heston. With, with a little bit of reverb on the back end. Right? I've only heard... God's voice three times with specific clarity in my life. Just three times. 
And not, not one of it was audible. All of it was just convictional at the set. I, oh, first time was a call when I was 16 to go into vocational ministry, completely non-emotional, just do this, bang, do it. Second was to move to our church in Glendora. In 1979, Jude and I came down on an exploratory trip, and um, we walked through the door into the lobby of the church, and both of us looked at each other and said, this is it. We had not talked to one person. We had not been interviewed. We had not uh, done the job thing. We hadn't, no. One week later, I bought a house. Still didn't have the job offered to me. I knew that this is what we were supposed to do. And the third time was to leave that church, 27 years later. It was, and, and that's it, not to marry my wife, not to buy our second house, not to go to Fuller Seminary, not to do all of the other things. The flow. Do you know? And if you're in the flow, it's, you don't probably get specific words along the way except now for the sake of others. Does that make sense? So uh, what do we do with this? What's God's voice like? What's the key? Pay attention. Just backdrop it with the general hearing. What disables our, and I know I'm running tight on time. Well, actually, I'm completely screwed the back end. But anyway, um, (laughs) things that disable our capacity to hear are things like distractions, lack of attention, not taking time to listen, disobedience when we have heard, and unwillingness to hear because we're afraid of what we might hear. I want to address that one thing, and then we're going to close. The first thing, like Darren said last week, the very first thing you will likely hear from God when you put yourself in a position of listening is this. I love you. I know your name. You are my beloved child. If you hear anything else, if you hear shame, if you hear condemnation, it's probably not God's voice. Even if it sounds like your mother. Because God always begins with his love for us. Let's pray. I'm going to invite you just to sit for just a couple of minutes. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.